tap it in. Welcome back, everybody, to the Big Players Only Podcast, a partner of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network, and now sponsored by Four Craft Cocktails. Got myself, Ben, Josh, Tyler, Tully, and Colin in the room with you today. Going to start by talking about the LIV Golf Tour as they've added a couple big names to their entrant list for the event coming up in Portland in just a week or two. The PGA Tour also coming out with some comments, so we got a lot to unpack on that topic. We'll talk about the Men's U.S. Open that wrapped up this past Sunday. Matt Fitzpatrick getting his first PGA Tour win and his first major. We had an unbelievable leaderboard and a very fun Sunday coming down the stretch. Lots to talk about there. The men move on to the Travelers Championship this week, but the women have a major on their hands. The KPMG Women's PGA Championship being played here in Maryland at a really historic golf course in Congressional, a course that many of us have been to. I know I've had the luck of being able to be a marshal there for when Tiger had his tournament there. We'll talk about what we love about the course, some of the renovations we're seeing, and then we'll break down who we think has the best chance to take on the title this Sunday. Thanks for being here, and let's have a great episode. Four Craft Cocktails, the best tasting and easiest drinking transfusion on the market. Whether you're on the course, at a tailgate, or enjoying a Friday night with your friends, you'll find the pre-mixed 7% Four Craft Transfusion, just what you're looking for to mix things up. With a variety of other products, including a Bloody Mary, Ranch Water, and a coming this summer John Daly, it's the go-to beverage for the big players. A family-owned, all-natural, gluten-free drinking option that has the guys playing their best and feeling even better. You can find all their retail locations at 4craftcocktails.com. That's F-O-R-E craftcocktails.com. And make sure to mention to your local beer shop and golf course that we need these things everywhere. All right, so we got two new big names added to the Live Golf entrance list for, I guess, their next tournament is going to be the Portland, the Portland one at Pumpkin Ridge here in a couple of weeks. We got Abe Anser and Brooks Kepka. These are two guys that are what, what were President's Cup hopefuls. They were top 20 in the world. Abe really coming into form. And obviously, Brooks, I guess, not the old Brooks we knew, but I mean, you know, still competing. I mean, what he made the cut this week at the US Open. So. What are you guys thinking? We got some new comments on the PGA Tour. We got a lot going on, but uh, what are your first? I want to hear your comments on uh, these two guys joining LIV. I gotta say, I was a little I, at first. I was kind of taken back by Brooks because he made such a big like stink about them like talking about Live at all at the U.S. Open. Obviously, clearly now it's because he was going to make this big news and he was trying to kind of keep it under wraps. But he does all that and makes that big stink and then just jumps literally right away. It's just kind of like really. But then as I thought about it more, it's like he says all the time, all he cares about is the majors. So it really kind of feels almost on brand if he's assuming that they're going to be able to play the majors after being able to play in the U.S. Open. Well, how much does he even care about majors anymore? I mean, what's he done this year? Nothing. So maybe he should spend a little more time working on his game and and less talking about how reporters need to ask him questions about Liv when he's trying to focus on the U.S. Open. Hey, yep. At least they'll have a mask more than one at a time. Though. Well, it was yeah. funny, right? Because anything, anytime you ask Brooks a question, he's usually pretty muted. He's pretty much like brush it off and sits back, kind of, you know, shoulders hunched, doesn't really give a shit. And then all of a sudden they ask him, start asking questions about Liv. He goes, I don't want to answer questions about Liv right now. I'm trying to worry about the US yeah. Open. It's like, okay, Brooks, pretty obvious here. Something's going on. Well, Brooks hasn't been in contention in a major, I guess, this year in a little bit. But, I mean, this is a guy a year or two ago, he was 
solely focused on the majors, like very outspoken about it. So for him to kind of put that in jeopardy now is pretty interesting. Do you think Brooks was just waiting for Bryson to announce that he was going over so that he could follow in his footsteps so they could bring the rivalry <laughs> back over at Liv? Well, that's certainly, that's going to be probably two team captains going forward. I would guarantee no, they're, you that. They're going to be auto-assigned to the same team every week. Just <laughs> so they can, team. Uh, yeah. He just doesn't want his brother to make more money than him. <laughs> yeah, I think 100% that was some sort of weird package deal for yeah. sure. You let my brother in, I'll consider this more joining the tour. <laughs> but, I, I mean, as far as, as far as a loss to the PGA Tour, I mean, certainly, like we've kind of said, he's not playing his best golf and not really competing, but he is one of those guys that a lot of people know about and is going to be a big loss for, for the casual golf fan who's tuning in to watch Brooks week to week. Yeah, and in terms of, also just kind of clarify, yeah, he hasn't competed this year too much majors, but I'm pretty sure he was hurt. Last year he was T2, T4, and T6 with a miscut at the Masters. So I think he's definitely still relevant, just kind of working back into that phase. So, I mean, I think he could be a end up being a huge get because he does have his own unique fan base, we'll call them. You know, he's not, like I said, he's not great with the interviews, but he does have, he's good, he's good on Twitter, I think. Oh, he's a top four or five Nike guy, too. So I don't really know what these sponsors are going to do with guys joining the LIV. I mean, we've seen a couple pull back, but the big ones, really, we haven't heard much from. I guess they're going to let it play out a little bit and see how serious people are taking the sports washing. But uh, I would consider Brooks a top four or five Nike guy on tour. So um, he well, should bring just, in a lot, of, a lot of ad revenue for LIV. Not that Strick sounds like the biggest name in terms of equipment, but he just signed a pretty big deal with them, too. So we interested that's in jeopardy at all. Yep, and then we also got Abe Answer. I mean, I'm pretty, I'm not too distraught about Brooks. I think you're right. He's not sure how the majors are going to play out. So I think his plan is to make as much money as he can while he can, and then play in majors and win majors and make a, a buttload of money. But Abe's a guy that's you know in his late 20s that I think was kind of really hitting that corner. He's playing really good golf, kind of a guy that came up through the system. Uh, a lot, very exciting to watch, and has a whole country on his back. Really, him and Carlos Ortiz, the best players from Mexico. Uh, I'm pretty surprised to see him go. I think he was really kind of hitting the stride on the PGA Tour. Yeah, I think he's I think he's kind of been in a little bit of a decline. I think we wanted to see more of him at the Mexican Open and kind of keep playing well and leading into the President's Cup. So it'll be interesting the impact that it has there, whether he's still able to play or, you know, there's going to be so many more announcements coming in the next couple of days. I think Liv has a lot of guys. There's a lot of rumors of some more top players, but they're going to kind of do this staggered rollout of every couple days just to keep the buzz going of, oh, here's our next announcement. Here's the next guy going to the tour. So there's going to be so much more action in the coming uh, coming days and weeks. Do we know what Answers World Golf ranking was? Is he top 30? Like Any idea where he's sitting with that? Because I feel like someone that I think he's probably up there pretty high, I don't feel like he's moving the needle hardly at all with him moving over. Yeah, world number 20. Yeah, world number 20. You would think we would be reacting a little bit more stronger to answer going, but it's like, I, I really don't feel anything about it. It's like, like you said, he's starting to make hit his stride, really showing up on the PGA Tour, but it's like, now it's like, all right, Abe's going next. Who is it? You know, like the, I know Liv is kind of like this worn out topic at this point. It just keeps getting brought up because it's just like they're doing what they're intending to, and that's release a name every couple of days, and then you just stay on top of the headlines. But my goodness, ask me three weeks ago what I thought this thing was going to be and ask me today. We have some major names. I mean, between Bryson and Brooks and DJ, I mean, these are guys that are not nearly influential. Some of the best players in the world. So I think this thing is really starting to get some traction. And I think we can see that too by the reactions from the PGA Tour. We got note this week or this morning that Jay Monahan had a players conference at the Travelers at 7.30 in the morning, right? So that's early. Get all the guys there. Uh, and they're proposing new ideas. I think they're taking this really serious. Josh and Tully, can you fill us in on what the PGA Tour is going to do? Yeah, I think I think I saw they're adding 
another five to eight events that have a purse kind of equivalent to the Players' Championship. And I think a big part of that's revamping the fall series. So they're adding these huge purses, and they're going to be going against all the, the football on the weekend. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But it's it's smaller fields, no cuts. So they basically it's took, live golf. They they basically took what live golf is doing and did their own thing. And it's like, oh, guys are leaving because they don't want to play as much. Well, our response is, we'll copy what they did and we'll add more events for the PGA Tour guys to play in. But I think a big part of this is just finding a way to give more money to the top guys on tour, which is kind of one of the biggest criticisms is those top guys aren't making enough in relation to the impact that they're having. Yeah, I'm really curious with how this will actually play out because all the players who, you know, quote-unquote, joined Live were only suspended from the PGA Tour. They weren't banned. They weren't, you know, gone for life. Will this now kind of open up the door for them to come back? What would that even kind of take is what I'm really curious because, like we just kind of said, it is basically the exact same, at least money-wise, format as Live Golf. Instead of 48, it's 50 golfers, and it's $20 million purses. So they're all getting that same huge chunk of change available to them and i'll be really curious to see mainly those younger guys a bryson a patrick reed a taylor gooch in this case now you're adding brooks and abe in there if they'll be like well i'm come back or what even options they would with those contracts they signed well i feel like those guys yeah they have they're gonna have to live out those contracts that they just committed to i mean this is all happening really fast but they're gonna have to see those through before they even think about coming back to the pga tour at this point but not they in theory they shouldn't because of how though i mean greg norman's whole thing is that I want them to be able to play wherever they want. This is not a substitute for the PGA Tour. It's like to accompany the PGA okay, Tour. Okay, but he's also paying them $200 million to come play. Yeah, on if there's a competing court. event, they won't be able to go to that. Yeah, if it was a competing event, but as I'm saying, like, is there a is this now somewhat open up some sort of door there at all? Well, I, I, don't, I don't see a world where they're playing on both and pick I'm and choose. Curious. I don't think the PGA Tour is going to allow it. I think the PGA Tour is taking a pretty firm stance about being not only anti-live from like an ethical perspective, but they're also just looking at them as a competitive league that they don't want to succeed. I mean... I think they had it going on, and the Live's going to take a lot of their players from them. If there's a competing event, they'll definitely have to play on Live. And I think that their schedules are going to get a little bit more intense as the years go on in these contracts, too. I mean, I think we'd love to see a world where they're competing on every every tour, but I just don't think it's going to happen. They're not going to play nice with each other. Yeah, something, too, that flew a little under the radar with the U.S. Open happening is the, the DP World Tour came out and announced they're going to let these Live guys play in, the, in their next event. I believe that's the BMW in Germany. And the reason that's so significant is because these guys can earn the the world golf ranking points, which is the whole way that you qualify to play in majors. So before the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour were supposed to be standing in solidarity and saying, we're not letting these guys play. You know, that's one of our main uh, uh, shields against what Live Golf is trying to do. But they've announced, at least for this first event, that guys can play in the DP World Tour and still pick up those world golf ranking points yeah i think dp world tour fully realized that they just don't have the the money in the bank to even remotely try to compete with live golf and there is so much more of live golf that's going to be that international taken away from them so they, they almost kind of had their hand forced versus pj tour kind of has the stranglehold for sure in the u.s yeah and it, it's one of those two like you know money talks dp world tour they have two options they continue to stand with the pga tour and keep muddling along as the third or fourth best professional golf product or they see this as an opportunity for a big cash grab and say yeah we're going to align with live golf and we're going to make so much money in the process because so many more big names are going to be playing on our tour 
What's the purse for a world tour event? Anyone have I any sort they, of idea? You no, know, they only win. Like I was watching the Dutch Open the other week when Victor Perez won in a really fun playoff, and he only made like three hundred fifty k. That's a pretty big event, yeah. I would say. There's, they're not maxing out much. They're probably probably a million bucks for their biggest events. And the and now the PJ Tour average event. There. Yeah, PGA the PJ Tour is in the high mid ones, and then you know mid threes now with their biggest events, yeah. right? So yeah. speaking of some like other players, there were some rumors coming out like about Colin Morikawa. He's kind of joined the whole list of like immediately coming out saying no, but we've obviously seen a lot of people uh, kind of go back on that word. You know, Bryson obviously did it. Brooks did it. All, all sorts of people. Does anyone think he'll actually go or you think he's kind of one of those guys going to stick to his word? Well, that one's really interesting because I believe he was one of the names, the GM at Pumpkin Ridge, which is where this next live event was telling people, yeah, Morikawa is going to be here playing in that event. And you know, that might be just a lot of smoke trying to get some buzz, but I, I don't see Morikawa as one of those guys who's in it for the money. He's, you know, he's already won two majors. He takes his craft very seriously. Doesn't seem like somebody who's ready to hang up his his spikes or whatever from the PGA Tour and go over to uh, live golf. Hey, they keep saying that everybody's got a number, though. So well, I think Morikawa's I agree with what you're that saying, that everything we know about Morikawa would lead us to believe he's probably not going to go, but I swear to God, Every single name that's come up in the damn media has ended up going. So that's, that's all I got to say it's about true. that. It's a good point. And he's clearly a crazy person based on what we learned about his <laughs> cereal tendencies yeah. today. What is that? He puts his cereal, puts his milk in the bowl first and then his cereal. Yeah, that's just not a good way to get maximum cereal to milk ratio. Yeah. It's just not going to end up good. You can't trust anything a guy like that says. Nope. Well, you have no idea how much milk's under there, right? It just covers it up. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think that does it for this week's update. We'll be back in a second to talk about the U.S. Open from Brookline. The, the 28-year-old Brit, Matt, Matt Fitzpatrick, gets it done at the at Brookline, the U.S. Open, uh, the site of the country club where he won the USAM, like what, like eight, 10 years ago? Yeah, so uh was definitely someone that was on our radar coming into this week, and I kind of didn't realize how good a golf this kid was playing. I mean, he was pretty much leading stroke gain, strokes gained on the PGA Tour for the past like two months, and... Matt Fitzpatrick does not light the world on fire. He is not like an iconic golfer, but the guy is playing some unbelievable golf. So congrats to him. A huge win. His first PGA Tour win and his first major. What are you guys' thoughts on Fitz? Does this count as a PGA Tour win? I think that they they like say it like that, so I think so. Okay. Uh, a genuine question. Well, yeah. I think we got to start with the guy that picked him, right? Colin. Throw it to old double L. Yeah, well, you know, I kind of said last week that it was a little bit of a chalk pick, and darn was, I was sure was right. I mean. <laughs> darn shoot, darn you were right, gosh. Darn it. Did, it did feel a little obvious, but God, it felt like, it felt like too contrarian. I don't know. I know as good a golf he was playing, it still felt like, who the fuck picks Matt, Matt Fitzpatrick to win a major? Well, well he's been up there. Pick. He's been up there like top 10 in the past, I mean, PGA and Masters. I, I mean, he had a really good chance to win at the PGA. Masters, he was just kind of hanging around, but. Um, this course especially, you kind of have to keep yourself out of trouble. He knew where to hit it, where not to hit it because of his past experience here at the USAM. Arguably, I think he's the best at getting up and down that we've seen this year so far. Yeah, he's got that cross-handed yeah, chip. Gonna, I yeah. mean, come on. Is anyone going to go to the cross-handed? I mean, Dub already does it cross-handed because he does it left yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's got to be worth a try. I mean, the final day on Sunday, we didn't really get to see that under pressure. He hit 17 greens, so wasn't really hitting many pitch shots, but... He got up and down. I think he led the field in that category, doing it cross-handed, which nobody else does. I mean, that's insane. 
Yeah, I mean, I thought it was one of the better tournaments in of all of them. And low-key, I, I think it might have been the best major. Like, I know the PGA was really fun to watch, but I felt like this one, there wasn't, like, a tragic collapse that made me, like, hurt for anyone. So I really enjoyed watching. Like, it kind of was like a battle. Like, Scotty got, jumped up into lead, and then he fell off, but then Zal Torres jumped up, and then he fell off a little bit, and Fitzpatrick battled back, and... All three of them were right there at the end. It was just really enjoyable to watch that kind of unfold and see how everybody handled that. Yeah, when they made the turn, and I think Zalatoris and Fitzpatrick were both like right around five or six, but then you had people like Scotty, Matsuyama was making a run. like getting Matsuyama, close. what a run yeah, he made, you're right. But they were getting close to finishing up at like three or four, and you just kind of thought like these two, Zalatoris and Fitzpatrick, could very easily like blow up, make a ton of bogeys, and those guys that are finishing up at three, four could be right in it at the end. Well, especially we saw Zalatoris and Fitzpatrick kind of lay an egg on Sunday at the PGA Championship. So it was awesome to see these guys kind of race to the finish line. And granted, it's a U.S. Open, so it's not like you're rolling in a ton of birdies down the stretch to win it. But these guys outlasting everybody else and coming down to the final shot. I Like you said, Tully, it had to be the most exciting Sunday of a major we've gotten this year, I would, I would say. I enjoyed it. Uh, big fan. I also... Kind of thought this this course this might be a little bit of a hot take, but I think this was the course I've enjoyed watching the most, even more than Augusta this year. As much as I love Augusta and it's great, I thought it visually this showed on TV better than anything else we've seen this year. Well, it was a really fun to watch a course where their guys are hitting drives and it looks like they're hitting it in the shit, but it's actually like right down the middle of the fairway. Like I love that. What was fun about this course is, and probably pretty typical for U.S. Opens, is like where some of these guys end up, especially around some of these. Um, greenside bunkers where they have the real rough grown up really high in the fescue and like it'll it looks like it's going to go in the bunker but then it just hangs up like right there in the thick stuff we saw guys like chunking it i think grayson murray at one point like, got a couple had clubs, a terrible man. lie chunked like two before he even got on the green from like two feet off the green it was nuts what, what are you in a breaking a wedge, throwing a putter? Tomahawked a putter, snapped a wedge. And you saw a lot of actually some some really notable anger from Rory this mm-hmm. week. And I think, I think oh, lot, at round one at that. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to have a lot of different comments about it. And I'm, I'm not always pro Rory if he's into oh, something what? bad. <laughs> if Rory's say, say that one more time. If Rory's up to Put no that. good, then Put I'll that. tell you. No, but I think that this is like a new chapter for Rory. I really like seeing him get mad. It reminds me of like like Tiger in his heyday where like good is not good enough and it's always got to be better. But yeah, this is a course, right, where like Rory hits his drive on that par five, the par four fifth where it's drivable, hits it like what is, looks like it's going toward a bunker, ends up in the face of the grass above it. Rory hits like what is probably like really not a bad shot because he could have left it back in the rough. He could have shanked it. He puts it in the bunker right in front of him, ends up getting up and down for par, but showing some notable aggression. But it's right. Like, you see these guys in the face of a bunker, feet in the bunker, ball in foot-long rough, and they got nowhere to go. Sorry, as a Rory guy, is that... Like, I've never seen him take it out on the bunker like that before. Is that his thing? I've seen him get, kind of get a little frustrated, but I've never seen him so animated that he's hitting a bunker. Is that what he's done before? That was full Sergio. And, yeah, I think he's really, I just think that Rory is really aware of where he is in his career and how good he's playing. I think that he knows that if he doesn't do it now, it's going to be really tough to ever do it. And he is certainly playing good enough golf to win. And so he picked up nine shots on the field this week putting like that is that's the kind of putter that I think that Rory is but he just was all over the place as far as his approach to greens so we've now seen I think it's a couple of majors now in a row where he's 
uh, starting out hot and then fading late. You know, he had the big run at the Masters, and now we're kind of seeing that flip where it's the the later rounds he's struggling. Where, where do you think where he's going to be going into the Open in a few weeks? Yeah, I'm not really that concerned with his play here at the U.S. Open. He was only a couple shots off the lead by the time Sunday came around. It's not like he blew up. I mean, the course played difficult. He probably a couple bounces here or there, play a couple holes different. Um, Fitzy just played like the kind of golf you need to win a U.S. Open. Rory doesn't necessarily have that kind of golf. He's a little bit more of a birdie three in a row and then bogey kind of guy versus Fitzpatrick really just doesn't make bogeys. Um, but I love to see him at St. Andrews. It's a course he loves and knows really well, and it's a course that you can certainly beat up if you're hitting the driver well. So are we just locking you in for Rory as your pick for the Open? I mean, it's definitely going to happen. <laughs> but, I mean, he's never going to putt better in a tournament probably in his life. Oh, again. shut the hell up. And so if he can't win with a unbelievably hot putter when's he ever gonna win a major again god he's such a good putter this is what i've been trying to say well the thing is we're after the after his first two performances this year in the majors we're just expecting him to come in and shoot like seven eight under that final round and he just didn't so i mean he didn't play poorly this weekend i think we're being hard on the guy we just expect him to win which just shows how great he is yeah, I think it's a course that just needs a little bit more consistency than Rory naturally brings to the table, and that's why Fitzpatrick won. But I like, of course, at St. Andrews, I could totally see him just like absolutely blowing away the field. So we'll see. I mean, he plays this great first round and then kind of lays an egg the rest of the rounds. He was never really in true contention, and here we are giving him a participation medal oh, for being Jesus in the mix. Christ! I mean, it's a top five, and he had he had these six birdies on Sunday. Like, I mean, the guy just couldn't get out of his own way. It's a couple of bogeys here and there. It's a course that you're going to make a lot of bogeys. So you're saying he just can't play under pressure on a Sunday. No, it's certainly nothing to do with that. I think that Rory's game is all there. It's just hit or miss. It's like it's like take it's such a small sample size. I think that Rory is playing some incredible golf and he's in the renaissance of his career. I know you love that term, but you know, speaking of uh consistency in golf, how about you know Willie Z here? I mean, he's on arguably one of the best runs in majors. Will Zalatoris is playing some unbelievably mind-boggling golf for the past 12 to 18 months, especially when the pressure gets high in majors. It's like the guy doesn't have a pulse. I mean, as much as we complain about his putter and how (laughs) disgusting that looks from a foot and two feet in, the guy's like putting. He gained like six or seven strokes in the field this week. So you can't criticize it too much. Yeah, I saw the day he surpassed this year already. Uh, Louis Oosterhuizen as the. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't hear. What Say was that, that again, <laughs> Louis Oosterhuizen, uh as like it's the not German. Whatever. <laughs> what the hell was Sound it out. Uh, but it, he's passed surpassed him as the most earnings on the PGA Tour without getting a win in a season, and he's still got what three four months to go. They were. I was. I was listening to that. I didn't realize that Louis Oosterhuizen doesn't even have a PGA Tour title. I guess we've talked about that earlier on yeah. the season. He, he knows yeah, the guy's not a, he's a lot of he's big not a wins, though, over in but Europe. I think that Will Zalatoris has only been like at this for a year or two, but I think he's already starting to take that crown from Louis. As long as Louis did it, still feels like Willie Z is like more deserving of a win than Louis ever was. So has, has Zalatoris been playing well in the events other than majors? Yeah. I, think, I yeah, yeah. see his name coming up like in these majors as top five in contention. I don't really hear about him on the regular PGA Tour events. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, I think the guy, right, I think that it, when it comes to majors, I think the part about Will Zalatoris' game that is just, like, plays so well in majors is that he is, like, <clears throat> and I know that Colin Morikawa, too, who also showed up pretty well this week, but these guys are just, like, we might never see better iron players than these guys. So, I mean, when you're playing in majors, you're going to have to play it a little conservative off the tee at times. You know, JT, for example, is really good from 50 to 125 yards. He leads the, leads the tour in that. But in these majors, you're playing a lot more shots from 150 to 200, and that's why Zalatoris and Morikawa really show up. Yeah, I mean, it looks like in, already this year he's got a – he was tied for fifth at the Memorial, tied for fourth at the Zurich Classic, which obviously you can make a little asterisk on that, uh, tied for fifth at the Dell Technologies match play. Two at the Farmers Insurance, so he's definitely got some high finishes there. 
I'm kind of curious though, given all these you know great finishes at majors, so what do you guys think his major count will be? What do, you, what do we put in the over under there? Like one and a half, two and a half? What do we think? For a guy that's putting relatively well, for as much as we think he's not a good putter, I think that Will's out towards is going to start to fall into that that category of where Rory is, where people say he's not a good putter, but then really kind of shows like some streaks of of true brilliance. I mean, we were, I don't know, it's so hard. I think that Rom is my guy who I think can get the double digit majors, but it could be Zalatoris too. Yeah, I mean, he's just been so consistent in majors and he's got the game for it. And that's, that's why we love majors. It, it makes, it brings out the best golfers to the top of the leaderboard. It's, it's not an accident. Fitzpatrick and Willie Z have been up in, up in the top of these leaderboards at pretty much every major so far. These guys are just, so consistent, so good with iron play, which is what you have to do in majors. Yeah, you said he's got the game for it. I think he also has the temperament for it. It's like I've never yep, seen agreed. him blow up on the course. He's so even keeled the entire time. So it's just that maybe that's why he performs so well at all the majors. It's because he's not too high. He's not too low. He's just so consistent. Yeah, he misses that birdie putt on 18 that would have sent it to playoff. And most guys are going to you know run out of there so frustrated that he let another one slip away. He goes up to, I think it was Fitzpatrick's parents, and like I'm just, I wouldn't have... I didn't want to lose to anybody but Fitzpatrick, or if I had to lose somebody, I'm glad it was him. And, I mean, to be that calm, cool, and collected after you possibly blow another major another. championship, I mean, it's it's really impressive. We might have said it already. How old is Alatoris? Is he he's under 20s? Yeah, I was going to say, is he under 25? He's not too old. Not that young. I, what, what was really funny, you mentioned him like talking to uh, Matt Fitzpatrick's parents and stuff like that. Fitzpatrick's brother just ran right by Fitzpatrick to go right to Will Zalatoris afterwards. Like, I know they're both weight guys or whatever, but it was just like, you're not going to, like, hang out with your brother for, like, a second and celebrate this? But I was pretty proud of Alex, though. I think there was a – that's a moment where being happy for your brother was really his only true feeling. I think it could have been – the reporters could have come back to him and talked to him a little bit about his game and maybe where he thinks, and he just – he didn't he didn't field any of those questions. He's like, today is Matt's day. Oh, yeah, really he was going crazy. Yeah. Like, in, like, they kept cutting to him and his the family, but it was just kind of funny to me. Like the He was like, I'm going to go see my buddy over here before my brother. Uh, another really cool sight of – after Fitzpatrick won, is Rory McIlroy sticking around, Slap hanging out with him out there? He did I mean, slap him in the face a little hard, but I think the point his, was clear. His Ryder Cup teammate, I mean, Rory's a guy more and more. He's he's carrying the, the weight of the whole PGA Tour on oh my his back. God, stop. And he's going to get me on. He's trying to put – I, I bashed Man, him a little earlier. He's got a lot on dog. his back right now, and he sticks around to congratulate Fitzpatrick and hang out with him in the in the final you know ceremony. I mean, it's – Pretty incredible to see. Nobody does it better. <laughs> I was reading about Fitzpatrick's kind of celebration after the round in the locker room too. Apparently, John Rahm hung around and was and nice. was celebrating with him. So, I mean, this could be a guy who comes up. By, he's be, might be being tutored by these kind of big time Ryder Cup players. We could be seeing him in the Ryder Cup for years to come. I yeah, think. I think he's kind of a guy that's hard to hate. I mean, like he's he's kind of unassuming. Uh, some people, he's pretty funny. Some people like here him have I called like him. him a maybe a dweeb. I'm, it wasn't he me. He's definitely was, have dweeby tendencies. There's some people around here that have said such things, but <laughs> the like, kid's got braces on and like he's just smiling. Yeah, I love him. I think he's they pretty funny. They don't have dental care in England. I'll, I'll give him want? credit. I think he's I think he's pretty funny. I think that he needs, once he gets a little more comfortable in kind of his own skin and really starts to embrace being what is, uh, he's a top 10 golfer in the world right now and I think he'll continue to be that. He is really the picture, the poster child for someone who just needed to pick up a couple yards off the tee and all of a sudden now he's just 
you know, he's top 10 golfer in the world. Maybe someone can teach him how to dress now, too. Yeah. Can you drop the Skechers sponsorship? Good God. The Skechers sponsorship feels like it lives, like going to live. Like he just took what he could get when he was kind of hot. And now he's like, okay, now I realize I'm not like a Skechers guy. I'm going to get someone I mean, else. I can't complain too much because you didn't see the blueberry look on Sunday. At least he had a gray top on with some dark gray pants. He switched it up a little bit, but. Also yeah. saw a picture where he was getting when the trophy was getting like uh, you know etched with his name on it. He was wearing Skechers sneakers, <laughs> yeah. but so, holding <laughs> holding the USAM yeah. trophy with him. Not on the course, but also off the course, he's comfortable. Skechers has one major now. I think there's <laughs> there's many other uh, endorsement or sponsors out there that would love to be in the same boat. Do you think he gained distance from the like, shape up sort of situation? Just extra power in the yeah, legs. Yeah, probably some more cushion in those yeah. shoes. So then the other guy we got to talk about when we talk about Fitzpatrick's team is his caddy, Billy Foster. Famously a caddy for Thomas Bjorn, Lee Westwood, Seve Ballesteros, even though a little later in his career. The guy had never gotten a major, and he had been there probably three or four times with his players coming down the back nine. Um, a pretty emotional moment for him. You saw him like physically crying before he even embraces Fitzpatrick. Um, I mean, I get it, man. It's like these caddies are so tightly knit. They've been with each other for years on different bags, and now he can finally go back in that locker room and say, I got one. Yeah, it was really cool. Like you said, he was more emotional than Fitzpatrick on 18 after uh, after Zalatoris missed his birdie putt and then goes up, has that iconic moment, kissing the flag. But it's it's also really interesting. He's a very outspoken guy, so reading some of his his comments on his past, like when guys he was caddying for, like Westwood and Bjorn, like just fumbling away majors. It's funny <laughs> he, to hear him. He did talk not about hold that. back. He's like these idiots. And then, <laughs> and then even after Fitzpatrick, that the famous bunker shot on eighteen. Oh, so good. His caddy was quoted after the round, basically saying, "Like that's the weakness in his game." And you know, I didn't really give him much chance to do what he did. And his his bunker game's about as good as mine. And I'm like a twenty handicap or something like that. So it was funny to, to hear him come out, you know, kind of kind of lighthearted, but kind of giving giving his own guy some shit there. But I think Fitzpatrick's Sunday performance was exceptional, but I do think that that bunker shot to most golfers and people that watch golf are not going to understand how good that shot was. I mean, it was a ball where he was choking up, having to play a 20-yard cut from 170 yards, and he clean picks a 7-iron. He doesn't just get it on the green. He hits it to, like, 20 feet. I mean, under the pressure, like, if you, there's no place you'd rather not be than in a bunker when pressure gets up because it's just, like, weird things happen in there, and what an amazing shot for him. Fairway bunkers give me nightmares. Like, I don't think I've gotten more than, like, 40 yards out of a fairway bunker in my career. Yeah, so there on 18, you're just chipping out to the fairway and, and try your luck again. Oh, no, I'm going to try to get there, but I'm going to, like, chunk it, hit the lip, and then I'll just blow up and lose the U.S. Open. So I think on TV, you really just can't tell how small the greens are there at the country club, too, like how precise he needed to be. And, and I know that, you know, when we get in fairway bunkers, like, we suck. Like, we literally hit, like, 50-yard chunks. But when the pros get in bunkers, the reason they hate them is because you hit a shot that feels like it went 170, but it went 162 or 178, and you just can't tell the difference. And Matt could have ended up in a place there going for the green and being aggressive that would have pretty much blown the championship for him. So, like, mad props to him for even going for it. So let's talk about a couple guys that really uh, kind of let us down this week. Um, Cam Smith, Vic, Tony Finau, Billy Horschel. You guys got any comments on these guys? I mean, none of them really kind of surprised me there. Cam Smith maybe being the only one that because he has been playing so well. But, like, uh, Vic, he's won, like, over overseas, like, European tour stuff a bunch, but not really over here that often, especially this year. Tony Finau, he's what, had one, two good tournaments. Billy Billy, always kind of a, a little up and down there as well. And so I think Cam was really the only disappointment in my mind and, you know, is what it is. He, he's just too aggressive of a golfer to be able to do well consistently at a tournament like this because you really can never be that aggressive, and he just doesn't 
I don't think have it in his game to say, okay, I'm going to dial it back and just keep hitting greens, take my birdies when they come instead of just going after every pin. You know, I don't know where Sam Burns finished. I think he made the cut. I think he was kind of lingering around in that top 20. Um, but I saw on like Thursday, he was uh, the shortest player off the tee. And I was like at like 278 or 280 or something like that. And I'm like, we all know that Sam Burns is actually like a top five off the tee when he wants to hit driver. But talk about a guy that came in with a different game plan to say, hey, I want to succeed at this tournament. And I think you're right. Cam kind of comes in with that same kind of hit or miss kind of uh, big play or go home. And he just, uh, it didn't work out for him. Did we talk about Vic yet? Vic's meltdown. So Victor Hovland was uh, even going into his last nine. Well, on two under going into his last 11. Yeah, two under then... going his last 11. Ends up finishing at seven over. Or five overs, five or seven over. He shoots seven over on his back nine on Friday. I mean, just like epic meltdown stuff. <laughs> I think a guy that probably could have contended, right? It's a guy that if he plays it smart off the tee, is an incredible iron player. And, you know, we've known him to get kind of – it's the short game for him is definitely what's lacking, but he's the kind of iron player like Matt Fitzpatrick where he could go and hit 17 of 18 greens and not have to worry about it. I was just going to say I was kind of surprised to see that um, Vic kind of blew up like that because the strength of his game is his iron play. So – um, he's obviously not the best putter, but I think we see some of these guys at the top. Willie Zalatoris um, comes to mind, but just these guys who are really good ball strikers, not necessarily the best putters, but um, I think that second shot, the approach game, was really key here, and I'm surprised that uh, he blew up like that, honestly. Yep, so a lot of good golf this past week. Congrats to Matt Fitzpatrick taking on his first major at the Country Club. We'll be back in a second to talk about the PGA and LPGA tournaments coming up this week. The men continue this week at the Travelers Championship uh, in Connecticut, so not very far for them to go. But we got an even bigger tournament for the women this week, their third major of the year, the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. It's going to be in town here, just uh, 45 minutes from us here in Maryland at a really historic course in Congressional, the Blue Course. Uh, we should have a really strong field, I believe, like all the women in the top 10 are competing. We'll have a, a healthy Nelly Korda, Jin Young Ko, Lydia Ko, lots of really good talent. We're going this Sunday, which we're really excited about, so we got a lot to look forward to. Uh, but we also have some some course renovations. We have a couple holes that are changing up a bit. Colin, can you can you walk us through a couple of the holes that are changing at, at Congressional? Yeah, so um, anyone who's watched the tournament here before, number 10 is a pretty iconic hole here. Par 3, you're hitting uh, from the clubhouse. Basically, the steps that lead up to the clubhouse. It's a par 3 downhill over water. It used to have this big hill like mound in the back. And then sloping forward towards the water, they could eat, they could either have it play shorter or stretch it out. There's like six different tee boxes there. But uh, following some recent renovations, uh, I think, Dub, you know more about that. But basically, they wrapped the water the whole way around the back. So it's basically like an island green now. There's no hill in the back. It's um, really nowhere to miss it except the left, it looks like, just seeing pictures of it. So I'm excited to see the, the new hole there. Really a pretty looking hole, but... You're right, that natural amphitheater that we talk about, some of these like stadium courses have, is pretty much gone. They have like this little measly grandstand in the background, but yeah, nothing like as iconic as I thought it looked previously. Yeah, this course is going to look so different than the last time the professional golf played there. I think the biggest thing that the redesign did was took out a ton of trees. It's a shame Ken's not here. We miss you this week, but he could have talked a little bit about the architecture of the clubhouse because it might be the most iconic clubhouse in the country. And the whole point of this renovation was to, I guess, be able to see the clubhouse from basically the entire course and really 
spotlight this iconic Spanish colonial revival. Yeah, so I'll say, so I, I was here for the U.S. Open in 2011 when Rory had the runaway victory on Sunday. And then my, that's where it all started for you? Yeah, it's kind of, that's where I first got my love for Rory. And then my dad and I also got to Marshall here for, I guess, when it was like the, the Quicken Loans or the AT&T used to be here. Tiger's Tournament used to be here. So we'd always be on what is probably the most boring hole in this course. And it's number eight. It's like a 350-yard par four. And I would say maybe 5% of the field would try to drive the green. Uh, but everyone else is just hitting like four iron wedge. So a, a great hole to watch per se to watch the, gog, the ball get close, but uh, nothing too crazy. Yeah, my fondest memory here since we're kind of reminiscing on our experiences was we, Ken and I went uh, when Tiger won. I, I think it was uh, his, the last time he won there. We're standing there on the 18th green. He walks off. Everyone's cheering him. He pulls his glove off and throws it into the crowd. And it hits off my hand. Some guy in front of me swipes it right from my palm. I was so upset. That's our star outfielder on the kickball That's team. That's some right amazing there. merch, yeah. But, I mean, hopefully we're going to see a leaderboard similar to last weekend. I mean, I don't think you could have asked for much more. It was all the top golfers at the top of the leaderboard for a non-major on the LPGA. So, hopefully, you know, we can see Nelly Corda close one out this week and uh, defend her title. Yeah, I mean, between Nelly Korda, Jin Young Ko, Lydia Ko, and Minji Lee, who just won the Women's U.S. Open in Pine Needles. I mean, you've got four women that are playing some pretty unbelievable golf right now. We should see some fireworks. I agree. And it's a course that I think really lends well to good iron play. It's, it's fairly long. It's going to play pretty long for the women. Uh, and all those names I just rattled off are all really great iron players. So I hope we see right a Sunday leaderboard that's just littered with, with top players in the world. So we'll be there. We'll give you an update next week. Um, but let's talk about this past week. We had Father's Day. Uh, where did you guys play? Um, I'm going to have everybody go first, and that'll, that'll be like two minutes. And then we'll let Tully talk about all the golf he's been playing. <laughs> Under 100 holes, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'll start us off. So it was a lot of fun on Sunday. Um, my brother Kevin and my dad Steve, we all went out to South Hills, which is a course in Hanover. And honestly, we've I've played the course probably I don't know five or six times in my life. And going in there, it's like you always know what to expect, but the course is in pretty good shape. In our minds, it's one of those Southern PA courses that's pretty good bang for its buck. But they've actually undergone a pretty large clubhouse renovation, and that's what I was most excited to see. And honestly, the, the place was beautiful. Um, brand new paths kind of in the parking lot. You go down there. I've never walked into a pro shop with an automatic door. I know how, yeah, nice how kind of like lame that seems, but it's like, oh, this is kind of weird. Do I feel like I'm at a golf course? And, and you walk in. Smaller pro shop, but it's still pretty nice. But then there's a beautiful restaurant on the side, a uh, great bar with awesome lighting behind all the bottles. It's like, all right, I feel like I just went from the pro shop almost to a club right next to it when you look at the bar. Mm-hmm. And we, we got dinner after the round. So this must be like a Southern PA golf course. It's a new thing, right? Because isn't Quail Valley also under yeah. reconstruction? Yeah, so. so to clarify, you were able to get beers this time? I think last time there was nothing for us. We, we were able to get beers, which I, I don't want to say this, but I'm going to because it might attract more golfers. Six-pack, $12. Two dollar beers. Wow. You cannot Jeez. beat Southern Must have been, PA this is like before Did Biden. Kevin Venmo you for his share? <laughs> I actually don't think I paid Kevin back, so <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to either. But we, we played well um, by we, I mean, Dad and I. Kevin, 
Ironically, new, new father. Ironically, I have a really good story because my mom was asking me where you guys were playing on Father's Day because Larry didn't want to play, so we were just sitting around the house. And I was like, "So Tyler and his dad and his brother are playing here, blah blah." blah. But I was like, "I gotta tell you how it goes every time Tyler and Kevin play." Tyler's like a a really consistent low to mid eighties golfer, like a solid golfer, and Kevin is like a consistent high nineties golfer. But whenever they play, Kevin will do you know the mulligan or the fluff it up or that wasn't out of bounds i was barely in the water i get a free drop and all of a sudden he only beats tyler only beats kevin by like five or six shots and kevin goes wow you really suck you must you were a college golfer that's not very good just just wait to hear so kevin starts off and i think he started off on his scorecard like seven nine eight <laughs> and the second hole was uh, was his nine and i remember he went down he topped his tee shot hand immediately in the pocket to get a second reload hole. Uh, puts it in the trees he'll play a second one first shot and then he hits it into the trees again <laughs> into the bunker near the green goes from the bunker all the way across the green to the next hole's tee box where there's a probably father and son duo standing there have to yell four from the from the greenside <laughs> bunker, clamors around in there a little bit. So Kevin then defeatedly drives his cart behind the green over there, <laughs> from the trees at the tee box, hits it back over the green, back into the bunker that he was in, and then he's like, oh, Dad and I are just looking at each other, it's just like we're sitting on the green here in two and three, I think, <laughs> and we're just like, we just want to putt. It's like we're we're playing okay. Kevin proceeds to go back from the bunker. Back to the same tee box, hits the trees again, have to yell four for these same guys that are on the tee box. <laughs> what I'm getting here is Kevin played just as much as golf in one day as I have in like seven. I, th- I think this so. Looks, this sounds like a Bill Murray skit where they're like, Kevin, what'd you get? It's one, two, Yeah, he walks four, off. This five. Is what, Give me a par. <laughs> this is, that's exactly what happened. Dad and I are in the cart and we're like kind of talking quietly because Kevin's visibly upset and we're like, I'm like, Dad, I got him at an 11 right now. He's like, he's like yeah, that's what I got him at two. I'm like, Kevin, what'd you get? He's like, Let's call it a nine. I'm like, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> the double four on one hole is tough. <laughs> he ends up bringing it back. I think he went like 57, 43 or something. Oh, so nice he figured nine. it out for, towards the back. But it was it was a fun round. And obviously Kevin gets into his, like you mentioned, his competitive edge. He's like, you only beat me by a couple on the back. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm playing the same <laughs> ball, though. So it's like some, something's not adding up here. But we, we had a great time. It was a lot of fun. Nice. Let's jump to Colin. Colin, did you play any Father's Day golf? Yeah, we got out to uh, Glade Valley local course here in Walkersville on Sunday. Um, my dad, my grandpa, and my sister and I played. It was a nice day. The wind... The, Beautiful weather. It was like 70 degrees. The wind was up, so that made it a little tough. Um, actually, my best round of the year. I shot at 79. It was my first time breaking 80. I missed like that. I did not know years. that. My goodness. In the wind, too. It could have been something special yeah, without the well, wind. Yep. I, I ended up birdieing two par fives, which is not normal for me, just based on how far I hit it off the tee. But they were both downwind, so I was able to get a good iron on it. Thanks to Ben for the tips again. Um, he's I've on been, his way to being a scratch yeah, golfer been, baby been playing very well t- keeping those in mind but uh yeah it was a great day liza's out there she's just learning the game so dad was giving her pointers grandpa was out there hanging tough it was a good day i saw eliza posting like the cameo with the superstar picture on her instagram <laughs> saying shout out colin shout out big players thank you eliza we appreciate the press <laughs> so i didn't get out to play father's day golf i played saturday with the boys but uh if we'd like to talk about who's played the most golf over the past week we're going to turn it over to tully so tully, let's walk through and a quick recap your golf over the past week before we go anywhere here, I need to say thank you to my wife for <laughs> for allowing this last week to occur. I do apologize uh, to the listeners. I think I've played about 99 holes with uh, 27 more on the schedule this week. Um, but before you continue, I'm pretty sure you just pulled out your phone so that you could remember the rounds that you played this last week. Yeah, I did. I mean, it was a lot. It was a lot. 
So uh, I had the opportunity to go up and play Radley Run Country Club. It was my first Very fancy. first experience at a, a private course just outside of Philadelphia with uh, my father, my uncle, and then my uncle on uh, my mom's side. So two different uncles there. But the story there is you went to go pay for something, and they're like, we're, you're, oh, you're on file. And they're like... Yeah, I was like, what's your memory <laughs> and number? Like, and I'm like, yeah. we had a gift card. I don't know what you And they're like, oh, me. Christ, got to pull up the ground, do the damn scam with the credit yeah, card. I was lucky I had a little bit of cash just kind of do that. <laughs> but that was, that was a great experience. Very nice course. Uh, very fast, you know, rolling greens, but fairly forgiven. Shot an 87, so I was pretty happy there. Unfortunately, I was, you know, plus nine through 16 holes and then finished, you know, 15 yeah. over. So my standard uh, collapse. Nothing new here. Yeah, it's just kind of what I do. And we had a nice uh, nine-hole Thursday round uh, with the boys at, at the league over at Musket Ridge. Again, you know, pretty standard stuff. Nothing crazy. Was that the – so we had, like, rain for, like, five minutes, and then we went out and we, get, we it was, like, sunshine and beautiful. Yeah, and it, it became a, a pretty beautiful day. Uh, and then it's, I took a nice recovery day, a me day, which really just resulted in going out to a brewery and then going Good over to Ken's you. until oh, yeah, about you midnight. You're, you deserve it. Don't take – yeah, you're a little well, hard I mean, I, wor- I worked that day, and then I went out afterwards. Oh, it was rough Jesus, life. How do you call it a me day if you're working? Because I work from my couch. It's my delightful. Goodness. Uh, you take care of yourself. We don't want you. Yeah, over. I got to rest the legs because I have <laughs> quite the run right after this. So uh, Ben and I went out and uh, waxed the floor with uh, some boys from Brunswick. That's what we play with. Yep, at, the Wicks at, versus the Walks. At Clustered Spires uh, here locally. Don't make a great transfusion there, but, you know, it's we'll work on that. Uh, again, a very inconsistent round for your boy. I think it was a uh, 47-39 for my first round in the 30s. Love the uh, inconsistency in my game, but I did chip in birdie to uh, clinch the oh, match for us. Oh, it was us. so pretty on the 18th hole. He's like 20 yards off the front and kind of like a first cut lie, one one hopping in. So did, pretty. Did you flop it? No, not really. Oh, it was, it was like a more, mid-height. Yeah, mid-height it, it was shot. more reasonable than It had height. some flop tendencies, but it wasn't yeah. a flop. You let those guys take you to 18 before you close oh, it out? Oh, for the back nine. Yeah, we gave them strokes. We did the we classic. We gave them more on the back. You know how that goes. The classic gave them like five strokes on the back sort of situation. So it was... they. I also give shout out to Eric. He did almost have a hole in one. He didn't, but he yeah, it was like the par par three, like twelfth or thirteen, thirteen. There, it's probably playing like one sixty. It was only playing one sixty, but it was into a pretty good win. He hits like a kind of a towering eight iron. Thing could have gone like ten yards over or ten yards short. We couldn't tell, and it comes down and it's divot. Its little pitch mark is like a foot from the hole, and his ball jumps up about three inches from going in. Unbelievable stuff. Yeah, unfortunately, they both got their birdies for the day on yeah, that same Yeah, then JT chips in <laughs> on that hole and then have another birdie all day. Yeah. Don't, don't worry. Kevin got his birdie on the day after he put his first tee shot into the trees on a par three and then hit his second one close and took a two. So <laughs> Adds up. Adds up. Net birdie. Uh, and after uh, that fun round there, I then had the the classic Father's Day round. We were up at uh, Quail Valley, uh, like, Mentioned some renovations there. This time there was water around the island green, which was an exciting. Nice, nice. It's but, really pretty hole. Yeah, but unfortunately, I did put my ball in the water there due, due to high winds and my high ball flight. High winds, yes. Yeah, it became quite the, quite the <laughs> struggle. Quite the struggle for me. Those damn high winds. Uh, that was my worst round, I'll say, uh, with a 90. That was, wasn't too proud of that one, but it happens, is what it is. Great time with my, my brother and my father there. Always tough to get them out on the course, so it was good to kind of you know force their hand there, make them go play. So that would be the end of the weekend rounds. Uh, no, no, I was off on Monday. A long I, I had a long weekend. long weekend. I had a long weekend. Don't worry. It's fine. Uh, with that long weekend, my company was kind enough to uh, allow me to go play in a scramble that they paid for. Uh, again, at Musket Ridge, so very familiar with the course. Always always a grand old time there. So we did our 18-hole scramble. Played horribly as a group, but that, that's okay. And then we go in for uh, our, our little lunch afterwards, and the, the lady running it comes up and just says, hey, do you guys want to play 18 more? And we're like, 
Oh, okay. Did you play better or worse? No, we we shot the exact same score. It Which was, actually is probably better, right? Because you're a little tired. It's pretty. It's oh, I was very commendable. Tired. It was one of those situations where it was like a thank you event, so all the booze was free. Which is a it's just a dangerous concoction for me. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so come hole twelve on that that second eighteen, I was pretty just exhausted and kind of useless at that. We point. just call it tired. Yeah, yeah. I was I was exhausted. <laughs> I'll, I'll call. call I'm it just really stage. tired. <laughs> but that wraps up my uh, ninety nine holes for the last seven days, and then today, obviously, talking golf. But luckily for me, I don't have to wait too long. I got I got my nine hole league on Thursday, followed by another eighteen hole scramble on Friday. Yeah, well, we're gonna end every podcast with a recap of Tully's rounds in the past week. So, so you're playing all this golf. Your game's got to be getting a lot better. Not at right? all. You heard Colin just shot seventy nine, right? Yeah, yeah I, mine mine doesn't. But Colin's a better golfer <laughs> than me. I am uberly consistent at being mediocre. Well, I think we do have a couple instances of those rounds where you're actually playing pretty good, but you just finish like shit. So we just got to work on those last couple holes. Story of my life. Cool. Well, that does it for Big Player Golf this past week. Make sure you keep an eye on our Instagram this Sunday. We'll be at Congressional watching the KPMG Women's PGA. And that's all we got. We'll see you next time.